Welcome to the Fearless Happiness Podcast, where we showcase phenomenal individuals who have overcome serious traumas, life obstacles, and challenges to find their own path to fearless happiness. Listen as Max Nace invites guests from all around the world to share their experiences and spread strength, hope, and faith. This is the Fearless Happiness Podcast, and this is Max Nace. You know what I like to do. Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening. This is Max from the Fearless Happiness Podcast. Hope you're having a good day where you're ever at in this world. Today, I have an amazing author and dancer and just an all-around good good and great human being. Her name is Courtney Ram. What I like to do, Courtney, is have you introduce yourself to my audience, like who you are and what it is you do. And then we're going to do, like I said, rock and roll, and we're going to get started. Awesome. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here today. Um, So yeah, I am a dancer. I grew up dancing in a family of artists, dancers, musicians. And um, yeah, I just followed, followed my passion and that continued on to a career in dance. And I always, I loved writing and I just had this feeling one day I'd write a book. I didn't know exactly the type of book I would write. And then Lo and behold, um, in my 20s, I went through this whirlwind experience, which led me to write a memoir, uh, which is called Eris Rising. And yeah, I'll be talking about that today. Right. And um, that's funny. You say you're dead. Come, I have some people that are talented in my family, but I have a friend that always teases me, right? She goes, you need to do a live and just dance like nobody's watching. And I said, that will be the quickest way I lose friends and followers. <laughs> Because if they see me dance, they'll just they'll either die laughing or I will not have friends anymore. I'm not my wife's the dancer, but me, not so much. So, Courtney, I like to get into, you know, and we'll go back as far as you want. But like, OK, so you grew up in, in a family with, you know, musicians and dance. Right. What were some of the challenges growing up? Right. Because I know for me, like and my family, right, where so many of us, right, a lot of some of the family I had were like very smart in school, right? Where then there was me and my little brother who, you know, struggled, you know, I did better in college. So I got to say I did bounce back, but like, what were some of the challenges you went through growing up and um, what made you decide, like, was it always in you to go, I'm going to be a dancer or was someone pushed you like mom or dad or stuff like that? Um, Yeah. Well, it's interesting because I do have an older sister and pretty early on, she decided that she was going to be an opera singer. And she went like full force into training at, I don't, mean, I don't know how young she was, she thinks of singing in general, I guess now it's more opera. But um, yeah, so she was like, on this path of singing. So I know, okay, I'm not going to do that, because <laughs> there's no way I'm going to like compete with that. So I um, yeah, went into dance. And you know, my mom is a dancer, was a dancer. And at the same time, I don't feel like she would push to me at all. I feel like it really came from me. Um, yeah, it was my own desire. And it's kind of like once you get into the, especially in ballet, once you get into that like world, it's very consuming. It's like your whole, you know, if you're training at a young age, like eight years old for a career and you're on that track, it really is a whole other um world just like in sports you know it's kind of like hard to explain it to people who are outside of it but it's right. like you get into this and all your friends and your whole life comes about this one thing so 
My sister had that with her singing and opera and I zoomed in on ballet particularly. Um, so yeah, I mean the normal challenges, you know, competition and um, yeah, just really like striving to be striving for excellence and it's not easy. So no, and you're right because well, especially like when you, especially ballet, right? It's kind of like someone who wants to go to the pros and whether it's baseball or football or like any of those basketball, right? It starts early and you pretty much have to give up any free time. Like you don't get to go do, well, at least if you're serious about it, right? You don't get to go to the mall with your friends like they do right. every weekend because you're at practice or in your case, you're you're training for dance, right? right. It, it, you get, like you said, consumed by that. What were some of the challenges like growing up when you would see your friends or were you that focused where you're like, this is it. I don't care what they do. I'm going to do my dance. Or did you have moments of both where it was just like, I want to go with my friends, you know, and then mom and dad might remind you, no, if this is what you want to do, this is what we got to go do. <laughs> um, yeah. It's, hmm. <laughs> From what <laughs> I remember about that, it feels like lifetimes ago, but um. Yeah, it was very natural and it was a choice I was making. And then I was, I got to be about, um, I think I was in high school. I was like ninth or 10th grade. I remember making, there were friends, there were distractions and people had boyfriends and everything. And I was like, no, like I am not going that route. Like I, made, I think I even wrote it down to myself. Like I am putting every thing I have into this. Um, yeah, it was definitely came from me. No one was telling me to do that. Um, yeah, it was just an inner drive, I would say, that just pushed me. And I didn't feel like I was missing out. I felt like actually they were all missing out because <laughs> they were all distracted all the time. Like I was going to focus. Um, so, yeah. But that's true, though, right? When you're in that, like you say, like then you feel like they're distracted, right? Because you're so focused on wanting to become a dancer, especially ballet, because that is not. And I don't. But I'm getting at so like I know that's a very tough feel, you know, thing to get into because there's so many girls that want to do it, right? And right. Um, you know, see at least the documentaries I've seen where it's so the competition is so yeah. tough, right? And then I think about and, and you know, us guys sometimes will not think about what we're saying, but um, you know, they'll go, Oh, that's easy, right? And then I watched that movie with The Rock where his daughter, you know, he's a football player and he goes, Oh, I can do this dance. And then his daughter's uh, ballet teacher puts him through the ringer. Right. <laughs> and at the end, <laughs> at the end of it, he's like, Barely can breathe. He's sweating. Right. But, you know, at least that what I have seen, it takes a lot of your attention, right? And a lot of focus, right? To, yeah to become the best dancer that you can be, right? Because there's so many yeah. techniques and stuff that you have to learn. And especially if you want to be a, car, a part, excuse me, a part of a, a ballet company, right? Because that's where the competition is, right? Yeah. I mean, I used to think, I used to say being a ballet dancer is the hardest job in the world, but then I became a mom <laughs> and I changed my <laughs> mind. And I was like, actually, no, being a mom is definitely the hardest job in the world. So I've had the two hardest jobs. That's... But, um, yeah, it's it's hard on many levels. It's ballet, you know, it's physically challenging, well, physically a lot of work, and then mentally, emotionally, um, it just takes so much on on all levels. I would say, so does parenting. <laughs> so. Well, yeah, you would. I will not disagree with you because I know being a mother is one of the toughest jobs, you know, and that's why um, 
before my mom passed away, I made sure I thanked her for all the stuff that she did for us. Right. And all the stuff I put her through, because I can only imagine, right. Cause mothers are the ones that stay up, right. Something's not right. They're up with the children. Right. Yeah. Or they just get that, that, you know, that mother sense. It's almost like a spidey sense when they know there's something wrong with their child, yeah. but who's the one that always takes care of them. Right. And that is a tough job, but I think ballet, right. That, that probably prepared you for becoming a mother. Cause you're like, <laughs> if I can go through this, Right. Maybe not. You know what I mean? But like, right. if you have that kind of grit and that kind of dedication to something, you know, that being a mother is just going to be that much more intense and that you're going to be like, well, if I could do that, I'm going to do even harder with this child of mine. Right. So what are some of the challenges you have faced being a mother? Well, um, as the story of my book, which I guess we'll get into a little bit later, but it it goes into, you know, this whole whirlwind relationship that I was in for a very short time. Um, it was 16 months from start to end. And my whole life was literally turned upside down in 16 months. Meaning by the end of 16 months, I was living in a different state. I lost my community of friends and I was I had a baby and I was also pregnant. So in 16 months, two children were conceived and the person was out of my life forever, really. Um, so I guess the challenge, the biggest challenge is, well, single parenting, two infants. Um, which is pretty unheard of. Like I, I'd say, um, yeah, everyone that's like, Oh, you know, your children are, you know, how far apart are they twins? Cause they're 13 months apart pretty exactly. Right. Um, and that's, uh, <laughs> I'm like, yeah, that's hard. But I mean, like imagine doing that, like without a partner. So, right. Um, I'd say, you know, single parenting, which wasn't my choice, but it was just the way <laughs> my choices led me, I guess you could say. In, in the end. Um, and yeah, I mean, most people, including me would have probably gone back to the relationship because that person, the other biological parent has like something in there, right? Like they have a stake in there. Like they'll probably, like, you know, it's like, they're the only person to really go back to, but I had a, to make a really hard decision. Um, and I haven't really discussed my book in full, but you know, it was, it was an unhealthy, toxic situation. And I had to ch not choose that, which was really hard. I mean, thank God for my, you know, mom and dad and like my other, you know, my immediate family members who were able to support right. me. Cause if I didn't have that, I would have had to go back to it. I mean, there was no other way really. Right. And well, that's perfect that you just kind of segue into that because that's kind of like what I show my client, uh, my, my audience through the guests I, inter you know, interview is their challenges they went through. Right. So I know in, in reading your bio and stuff like that, um talk about those challenges right like you, you think okay this is the guy right or whatever this is the relationship and then it turns right and how how did you handle that or was it like a slow process where you like this guy's great then all of a sudden overnight it changed like tell the audience how you went through that that challenge in your life and how you overcame that and got came to a realization like it's time to get rid of this person <laughs> Yeah. Um, well, I will say, you know, it was such a deep and profound, like life experience that, I mean, the only really like distance and, you know, deep healing could give me perspective on. Um, and I chose to write a book, chose to write a book about it. Um, not really because I actually like wanted to share my particular details, although that's what happened. It was like this, also like a deep calling. Like I had to write the book, like the book, yeah 
was coming to me in the middle of the night, like when I had, you know, the two babies and I was like, I was like coming into my head and I was like, it just had to be written. It was one of those things that just came through me. And I've been told it's a page turner. People read it in like two or three days, even though, you know, it's a full like book. And I mean, my story, it just, it happened. It was such a whirlwind. And um, I was living in Hawaii at the time. I had a dance company that I had started. I was also dancing in a few other companies. And I was like, my life was kind of bliss. I mean, it was like exactly how I wanted my life to be. So, you know, I'm from New York City, but I always wanted to live in Hawaii. Anyway, I made it happen. And it was like there was just this one piece missing of my life. It was this perfect, and I, I imagined, perfect husband or perfect partner. Right. And I was in my 20s, mid-20s, and I just felt like, you know, I'm, I'm an impatient person. <laughs> it's one of my, like, weaknesses as I'm very impatient, and at least I'm aware of it, right? So, so I was like, okay, like, where is he? Come on, like, I need him now. And I met somebody, and it was just one of those, like, moments where I looked, we, we locked eyes at an event, and I just, like, knew that this had future. I knew this had a potential. And there were so many red flags, but my obsession with this other person just made me brush them all off. It's like, I couldn't see straight. I'm sure many people can relate to this because wow. it's such a common thing with, you know, relationships that are like karmic and toxic and abusive is like in the beginning, there's just this like compulsive thing. You have to act. doesn't matter, you know, whatever things they're showing you about themselves. And yeah, I had friends who were kind of like questioning what I was doing. And I even consulted astrologers and you know life coaches and everyone was guiding me away from this guy. And I just wouldn't listen. Like I, I wanted the advice, but then I didn't want to listen to the advice. So <laughs> absolutely. Um, Cause you were, you wanted what you want. It's almost like addiction, right? Once you're hooked, right? right? Like you're, you get so obsessed with that high that right. nothing anybody can tell you all the red flags can pop up. And you just thought, right. ah, it's figment of my imagination. I'll I'll fix this, right? Right. I can change it. I can change him. Right. Once he realizes, you know, that we're meant to be together, all this is gonna work out. And <clears throat> um, yeah, I mean it was a huge learning lesson for me in so many levels. But um, yeah, I would say there was a lot of karma involved. Like I I feel like on some you know deeper soul level you know, these two children are meant to be born in this way. And it took me right. literally years to come to that. Like, I wouldn't believe that even three years ago. Like that was I'd be like, yeah, they'd be born with somebody else. Like, what's the big deal? It really took me so much to be able to accept that it was my path to go through what I did. Right. But um, yeah, it started off amazing. And, you know, the high of whatever oxytocin and <laughs> but it wasn't like a normal relationship. It was like, the next level of relationship, like, like the intensity, the highs and the lows, the thrill. It was not like stable and balanced and like progressing slowly. It was just like this instant like magnetism. Right. And also mixed with a lot of mixed messages from him, which made it all the more confusing. Um, I remember him saying, you know, well, we, we really shouldn't be together or like things like they were just kind of, you know, trying to reject me, but then it would make me want him more. So it was like, it was just a lot of mixed messages and actions, not matching the words was a big red flag. Um, so 
if I can remember <laughs> clearly, I have to reread my book, I guess, but um, I do feel like it was a slow progression. Um, we ended up, you know, leaving Hawaii together, moved to Texas for something he wanted to do there. I was already pregnant at the time. Um, it was a slow changing. It was like, it was like this, all of a sudden the tables turned and not so slowly the tables turned. It wasn't all of a sudden. And it, if it was all of a sudden, I probably would have just gotten out. Right. 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 It was like a slow trickling of seeing someone's darkness really. And that I was so entangled in the situation and, you know, I had left my community. I left my home. I had given everything up really in Hawaii and I was pregnant. I was like at that point, seven months pregnant about to have a baby, a first baby. So there was just too much. I couldn't like fathom, you know, leaving, even though I actually did think about it when I was pregnant, I was like, I should probably just get out of this situation. (laughs) Um, But, you know, I kept, I had a dream and the dream was very real to have this perfect family and this perfect, this ideal vision. And it was so strong that I couldn't, I couldn't just erase it. It was like, you know, I'm going to have a baby. I'm not going to be a single mom. Like no way. That is not what I'm going to do. Right. I don't, you know, I'm going to do whatever it takes. Like this is going to work out. And that wasn't, <laughs> that wasn't how, um, wasn't how it turned out. <laughs> right. But, because that's how it works. Right. In those toxic relationships. Right. It's not because like you said, if it was a sudden change, you might've just said, well, time for me to go. Right. Right. Like you said, it's that slow trickling where they show you little bits, but then you kind of fight. It's kind of like, almost like I said, I can liken it to addiction where like, Oh, it'll be different this time. Right. Or I'll, I'll just cut back on this or I'll do it differently. Right. So it won't be as bad as they say it's going to be. Right. And so as he became more toxic right and and you started seeing the signs and you said it took 16 months right so when did you really realize like i gotta start thinking of an exit plan here because this guy is not for me and he's not what i thought he was right like what were some of those telltale signs where you said like ah, i gotta think about something because right you're gonna be a mother and i know you're you're already getting that protective mama bear thing going like i'm gonna protect this baby right what were some of the signs that he gave you that like, it's time for me to exit? Yeah. Well, there were, there was a lot of, um, you know, it was, it was kind of like almost brainwashing is what it felt like was happening. Um, like he would do things, for example, have an affair with my closest friend while I'm pregnant or, um, you know, things like were really not okay for me and not in our agreement of our relationship. And then it would be, he would kind of counsel me or brainwash me to try to like smooth it over. And somehow it was my fault because I did this. And it was like, I actually started recording some of those conversations just for me not to like share publicly. Right. Um, and I believe it was legally recorded in the state that we were in. Anyway, regardless, I was recording it for myself because I was like, how is he doing this? Like, how, how am I like, you know, how am I at fault for him having an affair? Like that was what, you know, it came down to. And I started to really question 
you know, the hours, it was hours and hours. And it was like, I went from living my life and dancing and having fun and just like being who I am and, you know, being with friends and right. focusing on what I love to like every moment was like working out issues with each other. It was like, I was never at peace anymore. I was, there was always some stress in our relationship and extreme stress, not just like a little bit of stress, like right. high stakes, high level stress. And it was, that was very consuming. And um, yeah, it was like this realization, like I used to just wake up and like have a great day and like be in charge of that. And I mean, there was a lot of verbal abuse. It was a lot of, there was a lot of yelling and, you know, and then a lot of just like quiet talking of like this slow brainwashing thing that was happening. Um, so yeah, I was definitely at that, those moments thinking of an exit plan and it was just, again, it was that pull between what I, what I saw in a vision of what I wanted and what I could see for our future. If it had, you know, if you could just right. change a little bit right. <laughs> and then the reality that it was actually happening. And it was so hard on my heart because I mean, I never, you know, wanted a baby to like, you know, be a single mom. It wasn't like my choice. Right. It was a strong choice of that. Like I just wasn't what I wanted. And like, what was I willing to really sacrifice, you know, for the, for her to have my vision of that right. child. And in the, um, in the kind of few months where I was like working on how I was going to leave the situation, that's when I got pregnant a second time. And I had a four month old baby and I was pregnant. And then I was like, well, wait, <laughs> like this isn't. <laughs> and someone actually predicted that one of my friends was like, if you don't get out of here right now, I'm going to, you're going to be here next year with, you know, two babies. And, and a lot of friends oh, were wow. really trying to get me to leave. They're like offering my plane tickets. I mean, it was, it was severe. It was a severe level of, of abuse going on. And, you know, the book has a lot more details. I'm not going to go into everything right now, but right. Um, yeah. <laughs> well, it's like, cause I just interviewed someone who went through, um, abuse, similar abuse, but with a pastor, like her youth pastor. Right. And, and what you said, it was the same thing she said. It's like a slow, gradual, they groom you. Right. They, and then they, everything they do, they make it, they want to make it seem like if anything goes wrong, it's all your fault. You know what I mean? And, um, but luckily for you, it sounds like you have a lot of support, right. Where like, she was telling me that the church even made it sound like it was her fault, right? She didn't have that support, right? Because she would tell her that this is what happened. She started, it started when she was 16 and it, and it went for five years. Right. And well, you've heard in the news and stuff, how churches do it, or, you know, because of the Catholic right. church, right. They just send them off to another church, right. And try to bury it and make sure, well, that's what they did with this guy. So when you started to realize what I'm getting at is, you realize this is not good. I got to start. Who was there to support you and help you through that? Right. Because you just had a baby, right. You're going to have baby number two and you must've felt like all alone at one point where it's like, how do yes. I get out of this? Right. Like, yeah, I feel stuck. And you know, this guy's being a jerk and he's being right. abusive. And how do I get, you know, did you, did you reach out to anybody and go, Hey, I need your help because this is not going well. Yeah, well, it's really funny you just mentioned that thing about the church because, you know, my my book and my story, there's so many twists and turns. I, I'm kind of skipping over a lot of it right now. So I recommend people actually read the book. But when we left Hawaii together, 
um, we moved to a church campus and I actually lived on a church campus that was being run as a cult. And um, there was a lot of underground, uh, let's say like unacceptable behaviors happening on this church campus that I was kind of told that if I said anything, you know, that would be it for me. Like I'd have to get out. And again, it was like, my life was at stake. We lived there. Our home was there. It was a beautiful house that we were given to live in. So there was, it was a lot of like little intricacies, but there was so much abuse of power happening. And it felt like, yeah, it felt like I was just, I felt such a victim in this situation because there wasn't, I'd reach out to people and it was incredible the amount of betrayal that happened. It wasn't just the closest friend to an affair. It was like the head of the church, the board members of the church was like, everybody just wanted to cover up things and they didn't care what happened to me. Like they just, I was the least important. And I'd say who got me out. I had a a couple close friends who were encouraging me. Well, really just one. And I think she ran into me at whole foods. (laughs) And I think this, this is in the book. Um, You know, she's, so why, and you know, in the book, the other character's name is Marcus. Um, he's like, well, why is, I saw Marcus, you know, yelling at you, or he looked really upset, you know, it's on the church, like balcony. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, no, no, everything's fine. Everything's fine. Really, everything's fine. Right. <laughs> and she kind of just like kind of got it out of me, you know, some information. And she was very supportive and, you know, trying to help me to get out of that situation. And in the end, you know, I didn't, I wasn't able to take strong action. Like I I wanted to, but it was like, I had invested so much in this. I had, you know, got these, all these pictures, couples pictures of us all over the walls in different frames. And it was like our whole, like I couldn't do it. And this is, I think really important for listeners is that if you don't take action, it's like the universe or whatever you believe God or the universe will take action. So I couldn't decide. I was every day, 10 times a day, changing my mind because he was changing his personality all the time. Mm -hmm. Right. So it was like, (laughs) today, it's a great day. It's going to work out. Like then like, you know, a few hours later, okay, I need to get out. Like I need to pack my stuff and go to the airport, you know, go to my family, my parents. Um, And in the end, you know, I I do want people to read the book because, but I'll say a force came in and it nearly landed me, you know, like in the hospital pretty much. It nearly cost me my life, I'll say, to, to have to get out. And wow. it came to such an extreme ending that, yeah, it's like, well, there's no going back now. Like, literally, um, it was extreme. And it was unexpected, but yet also totally expected, given the progression of that relationship. So, yeah, I mean, then, then the huge thing would be, it was like, how do I recover from that? Like, this boom, being like shot out of there like a cannon. Right. Now, now you're out and then it's probably like you're thinking to yourself, now what do I do? Right. I have my two children. Man, I, I mean, my heart goes out to you, right? Because I don't like I have daughters myself and I don't know, you know, and I've been through that with my oldest daughter where, you know, she's been through that kind of relationship where, you know, the first thing a dad thinks is like, I'm going to go find that guy. Right. And I'm going to teach him a lesson. You ain't doing that to my daughter. Right. But also knowing that I can't force anything, right? Because she's going to go back, right? Until she learns that lesson. Right. Uh, and um, so, yeah, I, I'm going to totally encourage, I'm going to read your book. I'm going to get your book and read it because I want to understand, like, because I'm a substance abuse counselor also, right? And um, I've counseled men, women, and sometimes couples, right? And I've 
when it's been serious abuse, right? I've always had that wherewithal to go. I think you need someone with more experience in this area, right? And I'm always a good ear, but like it breaks my heart when I hear, you know, the, you know, and you just want to give them a hug and say it's going to be all right because we're going to get you out of that situation, right? But here's what I think you should do. Um, but then they look at you as a man, right? Like, well, you're the guy, you know, like you're one of the guys that are doing this, right? When they're not, when I'm not, but um, what I want my audience to know is, and that's why I'm asking you some of these questions, right? Like if there was something you could tell them, like when they see it first, you know, like what would you suggest to them if they, if those spidey, let's say the spidey senses are arising, right? The red flags you see, what would your suggestion be for, for my audience? Yeah. Well, I mean, there's, there's some things that you know, I could say, and then what I've realized, which I will say, and I've, I've also realized through just a lot of like experience and, um, you know, the wisdom gained through time and through going through this is that some lessons, like they have to be experienced. Um, yeah. like some karmic lessons, it's like, that's that compulsion. And that, you know, obsession is like, there's, I mean, what I'd love to tell everybody is like, if you see a red flag, you know, like turn the other way and, you know, get out of that situation. And, um, yeah, I mean, it not, I mean, it depends if your goal is really in this case, you know, relationships, if your goal is really like a harmonious, healthy relationship, there have to be, um, there has to be, you know, a set of values and standards that the person is meeting and that a red flag would just knock them off the list immediately. Right. Um, I mean, you know, I guess easier said than done, but that's, <laughs> that's my big advice. Um, is that, you know, you really, it sounds like so easy, right? If you see something that's, you know, for me, I had a lot of, um, dreams in the beginning of that relationship. I had premonitional dreams, like really intense, wild dreams foreseeing everything that was going to happen. Right. And I usually don't have dreams like that. It's not like I've had those you know, my whole life. Right. They, they came to me during those early months and I wrote them down because they were so intense. And it's like, again, it's like a sign. It's like, um, yeah, just, they were like trying to warn me, I think, cause I wasn't getting it. <laughs> and I also, um, would say for me, I had a timeline that was kind of, I'd say maybe driving my impatience or driving my rush. I thought that I had to be married with kids by the time I was 30 years old, like that was what I just, um, I think I heard my sister say, it. maybe she was joking, but I took it really seriously. Right. And it was like ingrained in me and I was like, okay, well I'm, you know, 26, I'm 27 and like, okay, like gotta go like snap, snap. And, you know, I've learned to really slow down because yeah, I mean the, the kind of upheaval that can happen with the wrong person is, is monumental and there's no going back from that. Right. Yeah. And it's like with anything, right? Though sometimes you don't see the signs until it's too late or right. Hindsight is 2020, right? Like if I would have said, okay, but like you said, like until you're in it, like I agree with you a hundred percent. It's like in my life, right? The lessons that have been, have been the hardest for me were the ones I had to go through because no one was going to be able to teach it unless I went through that experience. Right. And I always think that my belief is right. That's as long as you lean in, right. There's a lesson to learn. You'll get through it. Right. It might not be the most comfortable thing, 
but right. it is, it'll make you a stronger person in the end, right? It'll actually make you stronger. And then, right, then you know next time what to look for. And right. you'll have, you know, that experience of what you went through, right? Because now you're going to be an awesome mother that teaches her kids. Her, I don't know if you, I didn't ask you, but if you have daughters or, oh, or sons. Oh, one of each. One, one, one of each. One. So it does it, right? So one of each, right? You're going to give them that. You can teach them, right? Um, what I want to say is because you've had that experience, you'll be able to teach them how to take care of themselves, right? And what to look for and to be, you know, um, have some discernment in their relationships, right? If they see certain signs, they can say, Hey mom, I need to come home because this guy is crazy or mom, this girl over here is just not what I thought she was. Can I get your advice? Right. And, um, no, go ahead. There's one thing that actually above all, I feel, um, could is really the most helpful. It's like in terms of a compass, when you truly value yourself and you put, you know, your connection to yourself greater than your connection with somebody else, it's like that becomes like that for me, that's actually what I realized was going on. It's like, I was taking everything away. Like I was no longer shining my light. I was, I wasn't valuing myself. I was valuing this relationship. I was like, you know, like it was God, like it was more than me. Right. And excuse me. I feel like, um, yeah, it's like, if you're able to truly value yourself and like see your value and see your worth, then whatever somebody's doing, like, you know, having affairs or this or that, or, you know, abusive behaviors, um, you can't handle like that wouldn't work for you. That wouldn't line up with valuing yourself. You wouldn't stay in those situations. You'd have to just leave. And then because you have that self worth and self value, um, it wouldn't like be a match for you anymore. You'd have to get out of it. Right. I couldn't agree more. Right. That's where you got to kind of be selfish, right? Like I have a certain set of standards that I want my relations to ships to look like, whether it's parent, child, um, for me and my wife, right. I hold it to a certain standard and then everybody else, right. If they don't meet that, that tells me that they don't care about me if they're not willing to meet my standards. Right. Right. And if I didn't meet theirs, it would mean the same thing. Like I didn't care about them. So I'm just, I, I get it. That's why I live by a set of core values that I will not compromise. Right. I just in in working with my clients in business or in my personal life, that helps keep everybody right in check. I like to say maybe that's not the word, but you know what I mean. Because if everybody's aligned, then we all get along great, and we don't have to worry about someone crossing those boundaries or trying to hurt me or anything like that. Or you, you know what I mean? Because right. being a parent, right? Well, you know, being a parent sets a whole new standard for our life, right? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, it, yeah. you know what I'm talking about. And so um, there's a couple of questions I like to ask, right? Because I know it takes a lot of courage to come on here and talk about stuff like that. So, you know, Courtney, I appreciate you so much for being here. But I also wrote a book, which kind of, well, it does it's like an autobiography of like what I went through from addiction into recovery and, and all the stuff that happened in between. Right. So yeah. I like, I named it fearless happiness, as you can see. So we're going to start with fearless. So what now going through the experiences you've gone through in your life, what does fearless mean to you and how does that show up in your life? Okay. Well, um, for me, I would say fearless is summoning up strength from beyond oneself 
So connecting to source, connecting to God, connecting to the universe and angels, like connecting to that strength beyond oneself, and then just choosing to move forward despite your fears, because the fears are going to be there, but it's like that strength to face them. And, and you alone is, you know, maybe not as big as summoning up a greater source to face uh, those fears. Right. And I love that because that's the first time I've heard somebody that I've interviewed say, you know, to, to ask for that source, the universe, right? Usually it's like to face the fear and do it anyways, right? Which a lot of us do, but you're right. Like that's when I'm, I have to say it when I'm scared, you know what? I'm always praying or going, okay, God, please help me. Give me the strength to, to do your work and to do it well and to give me the power and the courage to do so, right? Right. I know when I try it on my own, I use the, right? Then I'm always kicking myself in the butt. Why didn't I ask for help, right? Whether it's outside of myself, but I love that definition. Thank you so much for that. Yeah. So the second one is happiness, right? And if you can see, I put a Y in happiness and I spelt it wrong on purpose, right? <laughs> <laughs> so going through what you have been through, what does happiness mean for you knowing that I put that Y in there? Hmm. Okay. So for me, happiness, it looks like living out your full potential and being able to enjoy the challenges and struggles of life, knowing it's leading to your growth. Happiness is pursuing your dreams. And then definitely a big part of happiness is sharing that happiness with others in community. Yeah, I, perfect. Right? We can't keep it to ourselves. I love that because thank God for my recovery community, right? I never had to go through anything alone, right? I Well, I have a strong recovery community as well as my family support and stuff like that because I've been through some crazy stuff in my recovery. But I like what you said, right? It's it's sharing that with other people and and building that support system around you, right? Because I always tell people that I, you know, serve that are my clients or whatever is that you never have to go through anything alone. Don't be afraid to ask for that help, right? And if you find that, right? Because I believe like Dr. Brene Brown says, right? That vulnerability is a superpower, right? If we <laughs> learn, right? And sometimes we have to, we, we, we may not want to get vulnerable, but sometimes if we do that, it allows to us to become more happy, I think, because then it opens up more doors, I think, right? And like yeah, what you said, right. right? So, right, I really want to encourage my audience, right, to uh, get your book, right? I know, can, can you tell my audience where they can get your book? Yes. So I would love to offer my book as a free download to your listeners. Um, and I will give you the link so you can post it. And then you can also, if you like the physical copy, the tangible book, which I always recommend, yes. um, it's on Amazon and the book is called Eris Rising, E-R-I-S, Rising by Courtney Ram. And I'll also provide the link. I love it. What if anybody wanted to reach out to you? Where can they find you if they said, hey, I need to talk to Courtney because she knows what I've gone through. I got to pick her brain or ask her some questions. Where could they get a hold of you? So yeah, they can go to my website, which is CourtneyRam.com, R-A-M-M. And there's a contact and I love to respond to people. So they can message me through the website. Awesome. You heard that, everybody. CourtneyRam with two M's.com. Um, if you have any questions, contact her. 
but you're not quite off the hook as I say, right? Just yet, right? There's one last question before we part. Like I always love to ask my guests and that is, Courtney, what is one piece of advice you would give my audience to help them grow as a human being and to become a better person? That's a, that's a lovely question. Okay. <laughs> piece of advice. Um, I, I'm going to kind of go back to what I said before, but expand on that. You know, do something today, whatever time it is, do something today to truly honor and value yourself, whether it's just closing your eyes and taking a few deep breaths, really connecting or taking a walk outside in nature, feeling the sun on you, but something truly to honor and value yourself. And that adds up, you know, that those little things that you do, it's like going to add up in the bank and then it's going to build your own self-value and self-worth. I love it. Right. And we all have to learn to value ourselves. I think, especially in these crazy times now, I don't know about you, you know, about you, but I'm not a big politics guy, but seeing what's going on in the world, I just go, oh. <laughs> now I really got to focus on, you know, because I, I one of the guys I follow is Andy Fursella, right? And he says the best revenge we can get on people who try to put us down is to become our best versions of ourselves and to become better, right? That's, you know, be a better version of, you know, and one guy even said that I follow, he's, he's passed since, but he used to be a bodybuilder, big in the fitness world here in LA. And he used to say, all you got to do is be 1% better than you were the day before. And if you right. start that at the beginning of the year, and you can go through the whole year, you'll go the next year, you'll look back and go, wow, I'm 365% better than I was last year, right? And yeah. that's how cool is that, right? If we just focus on doing little things every day. And, you know, and for me, it's like being of service to my fellow human beings and having wonderful guests like you on my podcast to share their story. And Hopefully we get this out to everybody and right. Show them that like you, that you can make those decisions to change your life and get back on track and, you know, be a better person and not let someone tell you who you can be or not be or whatever. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. And actually, yeah, a large chunk of the book is about the healing process and how I was able to get back on track after such a derailing detour in my life. And then I'm, you know, I'm dancing again and have my dance company. So yeah, it's definitely possible to overcome major, major upheaval. Absolutely. Right. And you heard that audience. So, right. You can always bounce back and become better than you were before. Right. No matter what you've gone through, Courtney's proved it. A lot of us here have proved it. Right. We all go through challenges. You just got to have a little bit of faith in yourself and, and, you know, listen to what guests like what Courtney has said, you know, is just. You just do it right and just heal in this case i want you to get her book and see how she has bounced back and come back better than before right because most of my guests that's the whole premise of this this podcast courtney is my guests showing my audience how they've come back and are better than they were before they you know on this journey of life and how they've come back from tragedies or challenges or struggles you know, and show the world how they did it, right? Because if I can do that, you know, I just share it out with the world and we help one person at a time, hopefully. And I know your stories inspired me and it's going to inspire most of my audience, a lot of my audience, especially the women out there uh, that have had struggles. Because I've had some close family members go through similar things. And it's like, no matter what you say, you could be the, you know, the, the tough uncle. They're just going to look at you until they're ready to make the change like you were. 
it's not going to happen. So I appreciate you being on here and sharing your wisdom with us and, and your journey. Um, but well, like I like to say, everybody, if Courtney made you think, if she made you go, hmm, if she made you smile, she made you cry, anything, if she just made you, helped you become a better person, please go to iTunes and leave a five-star review so that more people can find this and we can get this out to the rest of the world. And again, Courtney, thank you so much for being here and being an thank awesome you. guest. And hopefully we can do this again and uh, have you on and yeah. um, share some more stories with my audience. But until next time, everybody, we will see you later and I'll talk to you soon. Are you tired of being weighed down by life's traumas and struggles? Join the fearless happiness lifestyle and let us guide you toward a brighter future. Explore our past podcast episodes and get a copy of the Fearless Happiness book to ignite your inner strength. If you or someone you love is battling addiction or facing challenges related to unresolved trauma, know that we are here for you. Visit maxnates.org, M-A-X-N-I-J-S-T dot O-R-G and take the first steps toward finding your fearless happiness. Thank you for listening. This has been a production of Fearless Happiness.